Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Good morning, Kieran. It's Wednesday. It's the first day without football for two and a half weeks. We've moaned for 12 years about the World Cup being in the winter, and now I'm moaning that it's not on. It's, it's just proving to be a real football fan. Um, but I understand, Kieran, that you were, you were up west last night on a, on a little cultural football outing, is that right? I prefer to think of it as as research into uh, something broadly football business related ish. So uh, I see. Yeah. So you can. So it's so it's, it's tax it's tax deductible in that case, is it? I'm I'm, I'm consulting. I'm consulting my advisors uh, just just to confirm that may or may not be the case. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I went up with the uh, went up with the Baroness to see uh, Wagatha Christie the play. In, in London, in, in swanky West End, um, and, and it was a fan, fantastic, uh, fan, fantastic play. Very, very good, amusing in places, uh, serious in places as well. And it, and it was, it was you know, adhered to the the actual uh, hearing itself. Um, and then, then we came out um, about you know about quarter to ten, and it would appear that every single person of Moroccan heritage who is in London was. In Leicester Square, letting off fireworks, and and, uh, and a good time was being had by all, to put it quite mildly. So yeah, there was a little bit of World Cup to, to just top it up, and uh, fa- fantastic experience. Well, what, what, what an amazing experience that Spain Morocco game was as well. It's in, incredible, fantastic support from the Morocco fans in the stadium, and, and compelling to see Spain crumble under the pressure of the penalties the way Japan did the day before. Yeah. I'm going to see um, Orlando next week oh, at the West cool. End, but I imagine when I try and claim uh, money back for those tickets, little Bobby Numbers, the accountant, will look at me like he normally does. <laughs> and so was any of that research? You, you, you did say you were going out with an old girlfriend for your Christmas jolly. I'm not sure that <laughs> HMRC or the VAT people would be that happy to give you a little bit of that back. Which is what he always does. He, was it research? That, book, that haircut was a research haircut, was it? Yeah, just I had my haircut. <laughs> and before we get into this week's news stories, just a reminder that the first ever Price of Football replica shirt is now available to pre-order. And I'm delighted to say that many of you have done that already. So thank you very much. Um, we will try and get those out to you quicker than we answer your questions on the pod. Um, <laughs> the shirts are available in adult and kid sizes and dark player, if you request. And all the profits we make will be going to good causes. So uh, that's nice as well, isn't it, this time of year? So you can order those by going to priceoffootball.com or our social media pages to look at our uh, what Guy continues to call our in-store shop, but I believe <laughs> is technically a, pa- a page on the website. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of news stories, Kieran, which is why we are doing our interview as a separate entity again this week. It's a fantastic interview we have with uh, Mark White, um, the owner, chairman, manager, laundry man, coach driver of Dorking Wanderers, who Kieran met yesterday. Uh, trust me, it's worth a separate pod. Um, unfortunately, Kieran, our first two stories are from the West Midlands, and neither of them are good. 
Yes. So uh, if we, we, we kick off with Coventry I'm, City I'm, now, I'm secure, just remember the remember the old joke here. Why why the long pause? I was, I was tempted to do that then because I thought you'd left me. But you just <laughs> you were taking a big deep. We take a big deep golf of your liquid quinoa. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> that, well, this, this one, this one does need uh, a sharp intake of breath <laughs> because it, 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 yes. it features sort of um, what what you might call a a, a dynamic uh, wrongens duo. In that uh, uh, Mike <laughs> Ashley and Lawrence Bassini are brought, are, are t- yeah. tentatively involved here um, in terms of these these next couple of stories. Um, so Coventry City, uh, they they have been acquired by a new owner called Doug King, who's who's bought the club from CISU, yeah. subject to EFL approval. Now that approval has not yet been uh, signed off. That's not a good thing or a bad thing. EFL are taking a very very thorough approach. Um, you know they're do- they're doing, in my view, the, the right thing. Um, although I think it, it's it's testament to. You know, if, if football was in a much better place, we, we, they wouldn't need to do it. We, we would have more confidence in owners. But one of the things that, that we've certainly yeah. discovered over the, the three-plus years of this show is that, that we have no faith in, in a lot of people who, who come into the game. Um, but you know, Doug King looks, looks all above board, so you know, we're hoping that that's going to, to move forward. So, and the old owners, CSU, they, they, they lost £10,000 a day for a decade. Uh, in in terms yeah. of their their relationship with uh, Coventry City and, and trying to work out their motives has always been a bit of a head scratcher. Um, so uh, you know people will be aware that uh, the CBS Arena, the the companies which owned the the stadium, went into administration, and it looked as if uh, Doug King was going to. Uh, by the stadium, and you know that we, we like that. Yeah, we like the same person owning the football stadium and the football club. Mm. Um, and then at, at the last minute, yeah, you know, it's it's sort of it's sort of a, a reverse wacky races here. You remember, yeah, you know, wacky races. Dick Dashedly would always be leading about yeah you know, with about fifty yards to go, yeah. and then would be overtaken. Well, the reverse has happened here. Doug King was leading, and then all of a sudden. The Dick Dastardly that is Mike Ashley takes over and and nicks the stadium from the administrators, presumably by offering a slightly higher fee. And what he's now done is that he's given an eviction notice to the football club via Fraser's. Fraser's is uh, you know he's effectively the company through which he runs many of his retail operations. And everybody's going, why, what? Yeah. So so Mike Ashley paid I think around about seventeen million pounds for the CBS Arena. Um, so, so why has this eviction notice been given? Um, CISU, who were in negotiations in, in respect of uh, the the old lease, and, and they had a deal which was which lasted a few years. I, I, I think there's been some some people trying to manifest an improvement on on their personal benefits from all of this uh, in terms of either the length of the lease or the rental amount and. Mike Ashley got his fingers burnt in relation to Derby County. Mike Ashley was really keen to, to buy Derby County Football Club, but Mel Morris owned the ground. Now, yeah, we don't know exactly what went on. Um, there were certainly a lot of stories uh, doing the rounds that, that Mel Morris did not want Mike Ashley 
to buy Derby County Football Club. And because Mel Morris owned the stadium, that gave him a lot of negotiation power. It's, you know, he effectively had, had the administrators on strings to, to an extent. So Mike Ashley, having had his fingers burnt in relation to, to Derby, has thought, right, well, the next opportunity that comes along where I can do something similar, I'm going to take that. Perfectly legal, has to be said. But um, you know, where does this leave Derby? So where does this leave Coventry City? We, we don't know. Uh, yeah, they've been given a notice uh, of eviction. Um, is this a negotiation ploy on behalf of Ashley Stroke Frasers to try to get a better rental deal? Um, is it that he's trying to um, persuade Doug King to not to not go ahead with the deal, and effectively Mike Ashley then comes in and buys the football club? Again, we don't know. Many many conspiracy theories are doing the rounds. Yeah. But I think for, for Coventry City fans who, yeah, they they must have given up buying lottery tickets a long time ago. Yeah, the amount of bad news that that club has had. Yeah, they ended up at a period of time in Northampton. There's been uh, the disputes with Wasps, which ended up in them going to Birmingham to play their matches. Now they they've got they've got their they, they've got their club back. They've got a new owner who is, appears to um, you know tick a lot more boxes than Cecil ever did. Although when you start to sort of delve into things um you know by a pure coincidence uh you know, one of doug's king's companies appears to use the same offices as CISO. so it all just gets a, a you know a very uh, yeah. very convoluted um so so where they're going to play going forwards uh we, we, we don't know could it be that There'll simply be a new rental agreement, which is more beneficial to Fraser's. Um, there has been talk about Coventry ending up going to uh, to, to, to to Walsall to, to play there, and it, and it's it's so harsh on a club that you know, remember at the start of the season they couldn't play any home matches because the rugby had taken place. I think it was for the Commonwealth Games and it left the pitch in such a mess that it was it was unplayable. Um, but they're only they're only two points off the playoffs with two games in hand because. They haven't been able to go and play games themselves. So all, all of the positive things which are happening off on the pitch are being negated by yet another uh, messy off-field issue. Well, it makes the on-pitch achievements even more remarkable, doesn't it? Uh, a couple of things, Kieran. I, I presume that the administrator uh, had no choice in this issue. Where if, if Mike Ashley came in with a higher bid than anybody else... It, it's not within their job description to say, well, you, you're not going to make the football club homeless, are you? Are you, are you packing to leave, Kira? <laughs> this is the best sound that, effect that, that we've ever the, done. What's, what's going on? <laughs> that, was, that was the Baroness coming to get a, a letter opener um, from, from my drawer, um, and Finley decided to put in a few sound effects oh. of his own. The, the, and, and this is why. This is why I'm still amazed that we've never been BAFTA nominated. It's this level of professionalism that we put through the show. If there was some kind of BAFTA nomination for best sound effect, or maybe we should turn that into, maybe the pod should just be, forget the football finance, just guess what noise is happening now. I, I worry about the reasons that Baroness has gone for a letter opener. Is she, is she sharpening it as we speak? Maybe Finley's upset because he's got wind of the fact he's having a haircut today. Anyway, well, why are you getting Finley's haircut on the coldest of never mind? Um, back to the, the question, for those uh, listeners, those listeners we still have left. Um, the, the administrators have no choice, do they? The administrators have to accept the higher bid, presumably, and it's not, as I say, within the administrator's job description to say to Mike Ashley, 
you're not going to do any, anything rash here uh, and get rid of Coventry, are you? So that's uh, and also it's just so odd. I mean, Mike Ashley's a very clever businessman. We know that, and mm. you kind of feel that this must be some kind of negotiating tactic towards getting a higher rent or maybe towards actually acquiring the club as well. But it just seems odd that he's gone straight for the eviction notice rather than let's negotiate a higher rent or a, a different deal. That, that's that's the bit that worries me, is that he's just gone, no, I want you out. And it, it makes you wonder how, without the football club there, he's going to replace... That, how, how is he going to get regular rental income without the football club? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. First of all, in respect of your initial point, the, the administrator's uh, obligation is to maximise the asset sale proceeds, so that there is no moral or ethical element to the disposal. They've they've got a higher price; they sell at the higher price. End end of story. Yeah, provided uh, pr- provided the owner can uh, can provide proof of funds, which of course in the case of Mike Ashley he can, um, then 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 there's no issue there. Um, Moving on to um, you know, the second issue, it's it's just messy. Um, you know, trying to trying to trying to work out Mike Ashley's mindset. I, I think this is possibly the most Mike Ashley thing I've ever seen. Uh, in terms of just saying, I'm, I'm not going to go through a number of hoops. Take it or leave it. Um, you know, or, or you're out. I, I think he I think he's been reading a Christmas Carol and has thought there's there's a position for me. In, uh, in in that in that book, which I really haven't I haven't maxed out on, and, and I'm going to take this opportunity to do so for uh, for Christmas 2022. You think he hasn't got to the end yet? That, is that what it is? He's misunderstood the point of the book that it's not a manual. <laughs> and yes. if you're on a train going north, Kieran from from Coventry, and assuming that it goes straight through Birmingham International, then the next stop is Birmingham, and there's bad news for Birmingham City fans, it looks like, as well. Yes. Um, Birmingham City, for the last five months, have been in talks. Uh, so Birmingham Sports Holdings, who are the, the Hong Kong company, which, which owns Birmingham City Football Club, have been in discussions with a company called Maxco Capital, um, which is partly owned by Maxi Lopez, the former Barcelona and Argentina striker, um, and uh, a guy, I think it's is it Paul, Paul Richardson is, is the other guy. Um, so they, they've been they've been having talks for the last five months with regards to to buying the club and going through uh, a period of due diligence. And some people have said, and I, I cannot confirm or deny this, some people have said that they've actually been funding the club because they were that, they were that positive. And then uh, they said, well, yeah, we've got a we've we've got a deadline of the thirtieth of November uh, in terms of when we. We want the deal to have gone through. 30th of November comes, nothing happens. A couple of days later, they say, yeah, we're pulling out. We're, we're, we're off ski. Um, and, you know, were they you – know, it, it, yeah, five, five months is a long time to be in negotiations for it to, to fall through. Um, I think there was a degree of scepticism um, for, for people who, who, who really want a deep dive um, into this story, uh, th- there is a Birmingham fan called called Daniel. He he runs a uh, a, a website called I think it's called Almagir, uh, which which is absolutely fantastic. He he is obsessive about Birmingham City's owners and uh, and and, th- and there is a there's a full Hollywood blockbuster movie around um, in relation to this. Now, 
Birmingham, remember a couple of years ago, they ended up with a points deduction due to uh, mucking around with FFP rules. Um, I believe there's an EFL investigation into one of their owners, whose name appears to be uh, Wang Yao Kui, um, who is who is a Chinese investor about certain issues to do with his background. And, and I believe the only reason why we found out about that, because it was mentioned in Parliament, um, it could be that uh, yeah, Maxco Capital have, have pulled out because sometimes you don't make as much progress as you would like. Um, and also, I suspect that the current owners are, are looking for some form of potential payouts for two of the reasons. First of all, uh, you know, we, we said that Coventry, they're not far off a playoff place and potential promotion to the Premier League. Well, yeah, Birmingham aren't that far off either. I know, I know they're in the bottom half of the table, but it's it's very, very concertina at the championship table. Um, the the other uh, potential issue is uh, you know, we, we've been watching the World Cup. We've been cheering along and everybody goes, blimey, O'Reilly, that, that Jude Bellingham, he's a bit tasty, isn't he? Um, so so if people may recall, he, he was that good at Birmingham that when they sold him at the age of 17, they retired his shirt. They could say, we're never going to have a player that good again at the club. So, so he's at Dortmund. Um, you know, what One would have to assume that they're not fools at Birmingham and they've got a, a decent sell-on clause in respect of his, uh, in respect of his, of his contract. So you know, th- there's talk about Dortmund saying, well, at the start of the tournament, he was worth £130 million in their eyes. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that his value's only headed in one direction since then, and, and that that's up. If, if Birmingham, let's say they've got a fifteen percent sell-on clause there, if if uh, if Dortmund are going to make you know a hundred, one hundred and twenty million pounds worth of profit, um, you know Birmingham are looking you know fifteen, twenty million pounds um, of that comes to them. Now it could be that Birmingham Sports Holdings say, well, you know, uh, Jude Bellingham was sold as a as a player under our ownership, and we therefore want to to trouser any sell-on clause. Um, it could be that the new owners say, "Well, you know, it's 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 an uncertainty. There's no guarantee. We we, we want to take on some of that." So, so I, I suspect it's all to do with uh, trying to get one over the other in respect of uh, these deals, and, and then they've collapsed. Which means, of course, um, that the the only person whose name is possibly in the hat is is that of Lawrence Bassini um and uh, you know I think I think it's fair to say that we have our reservations about his ability to to a uh, come up with the cash to to acquire a club um, and and b certainly to sustain it you know Birmingham have lost um a fortune over the course of of the last um, few years uh, I think I think I worked it out something like 145 million over the course of the last decade um, so you know it's it's huge sums of money involved. Um, they've they're a club that have not had luck with owners uh, going back to uh, to Carson Young and beyond. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been a litany of uh, questionable uh, motives of owners, uh, and perhaps there's a case for saying that an independent regulator of football might be able to address some of these issues. She's back. She's been away <laughs> for two year, for two shows, but Tracy's back. Um, I, I suspect Lawrence Bassini couldn't afford a copy of the Christmas Carol, let alone use it as a business manual. That's how badly things are going for him. I love the fact that Jude Bellingham talks so proudly and so fondly of his time at Birmingham, which is uh, as it should be. Hmm. Just something you mentioned there, Kieran, about the sell-on clause. 
it, it, so if Birmingham have negotiated, a, a, say, a 15% uh, part of the sell-on sell clause, you mentioned profit. Is So is that sell-on clause based on the actual transfer fee or the profit that Dortmund make on the player? It, it's normally on the profit uh, because what, what you effectively say is right. that okay. if the player progresses at Dortmund – um, then both Dortmund and you know, Birmingham have already generated 100% of the original sale fee. So for them to get another 15% of that does seem incongruous. So, so my understanding is that most uh, transfer deals are yeah. based on the profit to the next club um, because that means that both parties uh, you know, are, are beneficiaries of, of the, the players' development at the new club. Now, we know, Kieran, that my knowledge of geography outside London is quite often the source of criticism from some of our listeners outside London. But I'm fairly sure that this club I'm talking about is to the north and to the east of Birmingham. It's a club whose supporters have had a torrid time, but there's a takeover there that looks like it might be happening. Yes. Um, so th- this is Scunthorpe United, um, as, as you were correct, uh, on, on the Lincolnshire coast. Uh, I've, uh, I've I've been to... Uh, uh, Scunthorpe United uh, on, on quite a few occasions. I've, I've seen I've seen Bobby Zamora get a red card there um, as well. Um, which, wow. which yeah, that's an that's an, that's a half man half biscuit album title if ever there was one, isn't it? <laughs> um, so the the Scunthorpe owner Peter Swan, he who owns the um, the Blackpool nightclub, he who <laughs> he who wanted to convert the. Uh, certainly the car park or, or, or some of the property into residential. Um, it, it looks like he, he's he's finally sold out to to two new owners called Simon Elliott and Ian Sharp, who, who are local. Um, I, th- I think one of them's involved in in in, uh, in the acting industry. I think he's been successful in that. Um, but they're, they're absolutely delighted. And because this is uh, now a National League club as opposed to an EFL club, um, they, the, the owners and directors test – uh, rules don't apply as such. Um, as always, uh, th- there was a kerfuffle. Uh, yeah, we, we've seen two deals that have not gone through. Well, um, you know, th- this deal a- almost collapsed itself, and uh, Peter Swan didn't pay the November wages because he was saying, "Well, I'm trying to sell the club. I thought the new owners would have come through by the end of November, so therefore I thought that they were going to pay the wages, and the new owners hadn't taken over." But it looks like that has now gone through. But what concerns me is what exactly have the new owners bought? If they bought Scunthorpe United Football Club, that, that's that is a step forwards. Have they also bought the stadium? I'm not so sure because um, in wow. 2021, uh, you know, Peter Swan has come in for a lot of criticism. I, I think certainly the way he conducts himself uh, at times in terms of his relationship with uh, fans wouldn't necessarily go down as a uh, uh, as a template on how to get on well with people. Um, so he's, he's, he tends to fire uh, fire threatening letters from from lawyers first and and has a chat second. He's, he's even done the same to me. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I've been on the receiving end of some of that. Um, uh, so he did put money into the club via his his company called Call Silk um, and. He then wrote off most of the loans uh, due to Call Silk. That's the good thing. The not so good thing, he says, "Well, I'm not quite writing them off because what I'm going to do is that instead of paying me back what you owe me, 
I'm going to take the stadium. So um, yeah, do the new owners have uh, have the stadium and Suntorp United? I'm, that I'm not certain about. Um, and you know, as, as we've just been looking at it in, in respect of Coventry City and Mike Ashley and, and going back to you – know, you've had your experiences with, with Ron Notes, wasn't it? Didn't he, didn't he mess was, Palace around? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we got, we've, we've had issues at Brighton when you know, our, our ground ended up being sold uh, when you don't have control over things. Um, it, oh, it, hang it, on a second, Kieran. I've just, got, I've just got to say goodbye to Ali. Bye, Ali. Ali's off to lunch with uh, Bobby Numbers. The oh, cool. It's the second time he's been watching. Yeah, I, I thought Ali, when she said she was going to see Bobby Numbers, it was about probably you know, next year's tax, but it turns out, no, it's just lunch. Anyway. <laughs> who's, who's paying for that and who gets the tax benefits? I don't know, but I suspect the accountant is the answer. That. Sorry <laughs> to interrupt you, but I, I had to say goodbye to her. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> You've you got your own sound effects there. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, must get some oil on that door. Yeah, come on. Um, so, so, so that, that's that's where we are at present. You know, uh, se- separation of football club from football ground. Um, you know, ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the time tends to up in end up in uh, in tears rather than a smiley faces. In my experience, so so that's 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 my where, where you know I've got I've got two and a half cheers in respect of the, the yeah. takeover. And Scunthorpe and Oldham, you know, both of whom have had ownership issues, are now occupying the two bottom places in the National League, despite both being EFL clubs last season and both being the beneficiary of parachute payments. Oh, well, that's, it's not that long since Oldham were a Premier League club, is it, mm. in the great scheme of things? I, I, I appreciate, Kieran, this is an impossible question for you to answer without knowing the, the actual numbers, but it occurs to me that if... If Peter Swan has loaned Scunthorpe United that much money that the stadium will cover the cost, he must have lent them a lot of money. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, they they were owned. They, they were owed around about eleven million pounds. Um, so uh, it, you know, he, he's he's he put he's put his money where his mouth is every year for the last decade. Uh, Scunthorpe United have paid out more money in wages. Than they've generated an income. Um, how well that money has been spent? Because I always say to people, you, you've got to look at these things from both a quantitative and a qualitative basis. Um, spending it and spending it well are, are, are not the same, and yeah, and that applies for for Scunthorpe United as much as it does to Manchester United. Yeah, we'll be talking about Manchester United later, um, but uh, yeah, it, it is in, indicative of uh, just just throwing money at football players and managers isn't a solution to uh, uh, getting a, a football club up the table to to where uh, its owners and fans think it's, it should be. You mentioned the wages not being paid in November, Kieran, and unfortunately that's become a bit of a theme mm. in the past few weeks because we have the story of two clubs now where that's happening, one where it's been happening on an ongoing basis and one, as far as we know, where it's a new occurrence. Yes, so uh, we're going to start off with uh, back to the championship, which you know, we I think we said on probably about show number one or two that the, the EFL championship is the clown car of uh, European football at the very least in terms of football finance, and uh, we're now going to take a look at Reading and uh, Reading paid eighty percent of the wages uh, to to staff last week. You know, people 
you know, I, I, I don't tend to check my wage slip in in particular detail, but I, I, I do check my bank statement to check that it's come in. And you've got a rough idea of how much going. So uh, 20% of, of the wages were were unpaid. Uh, Reading is also uh, currently uh, experiencing a transfer embargo due to uh, former misdemeanors. Remember, they did have a points deduction themselves uh, in respect of profitability and sustainability rules. Um, what the owner, Dai Yong, from China is trying to achieve from this is is uncertain. Um, you know, it's it's the the usual. Uh, very corporate press release talking about uh, you know regular funding mechanisms were unable to work properly. Um, it just yeah, I always say you know when the wages are going to be paid. They're going to be paid at the end of the month. And Reading are losing money. Absolutely, is the owner putting money in, or is is, is their funding coming from an external source? Yes, there is. So I, I just don't understand why something which is supposed to be professional is such an amateur activity in so many football clubs that, that it's happening left, right and centre. Um, so, you know, it, it has occurred on a couple of times in respect to Reading before. It's it's occurring too often in EFL clubs and National League clubs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I spoke to somebody from, um, from an EFL club uh, only this morning prior to, to recording the show. And they they just, just they said to me, you know, I said, yeah, what, what do you think about this? And he said, well, Kieran, it's like this. It's the coming storm. Um and, and that wow. this was this was from somebody who who I respect an awful lot. And uh that that did put a bit, a bit of a shiver in down my spine because you know we we've been through COVID, we've been through uh you know the, the some of the ramifications from from what's happened in Ukraine in terms of the, the impact on global inflation and so on and I thought, okay we, we things are starting to progress yeah are we getting out of this and uh, yeah I'm I'm feeling pretty gloomy uh, in in relation to uh, an awful lot of clubs at present well Merry Christmas everyone um, <laughs> Reading's uh, that that argument from Reading. Uh, that there are technical issues, banking issues, etc., really annoys me because I'm, as you know, I'm I'm, I'm freelance, mm. which means uh, you can sometimes go four, six, eight, ten weeks without getting paid, and and quite often you you will ask your agent to get in touch with somebody who owes you money, or you'll do it yourself if you have a personal relationship, and quite often they will say we're really really sorry, there was an issue with the pay run. There was an issue with the bank. No one got paid. And you go, oh, I find that's unfortunate, but you will sort that out as quickly as possible. Mm. But they never say, well, we managed to pay 80%. Yeah. So to me, you either pay you either pay nothing, or if you're, if you're only paying 80%, that's because you've only got 80% to pay. Mm. That that rings alarm bells for me because that, that doesn't make any sense. And, I, and, of course, I'm not a payroll manager, and I'm sure we have many of those listening to us now and go, oh, no, that's quite possible. But to me, that doesn't seem right somehow. Yes, yeah, it, um, and it's it's not the first time it, it happened at Reading a couple of years ago. I'm pretty certain as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's not good. So so Reading Reading's in the Championship, and um, we're, we're now back to the National League. And yeah. this time, it's yeah. it's uh, yeah. We've always said appear on the price of football. You know, once every three or four months, it's you know, it, it's it's flicker coin. It could be good news, it could be bad news. Um, yeah, if you yeah. start to appear on the price of football, yeah, 
two or three times a month, then it tends to be bad news. And, and unfortunately, um, yeah. we're back to our friends at Southend. So um, as far as the November payroll was concerned, um, and, and this I find just pretty disgusting, the players were paid one day late. And at the time of reporting, and I think this may have been addressed by now because we're recording this on the 7th, non-playing staff had not been paid So yeah, when, when the stories yeah. broke. So, yeah, this this does seem ridiculous. Now, it could be that, um, you know, players are in a position where that they can walk away from the club. You know, the club potentially could be in breach of contract. Um, we, we spoke you know, only a few weeks ago about how proud we were to be football fans when you've got organisations such as the Shrimpers Trust. Now, anybody that's been to Southend, mm. um, and when I used to live in Chelmsford, we, we used to catch a train to go to Southend. Yeah, Southend was our big day out. Yeah, Mum and Dad didn't have a car. Uh, you go to Southend, you go to the beach, you go to the, that longest pier in, in the world. Well, so, well, that's what I thought of anyway. It was a huge pier. But it's it's not it's not a wealthy area in its own right. So the fact that no. the Shrimpers Trust had managed to to cobble together forty grand to help pay the wages last month, I okay, go, this this is this is just fantastic. You know, the, the the integrity of football fans at times just makes you so proud. Um, and, and I think they've they've been trying to organise with with other fan groups to raise further money on top of this. Um, and this all comes down to the the owner Ron Martin. Um, now the parent company. Of South End, which is a company called Southeast Leisure Limited, that that had a winding up order uh, from from Companies House only a, a few days ago. Now that was that was reversed uh, you know, this morning. Uh, we are, can we're recording this on the seventh. So what what Ron tends to do is is brinkmanship. You know he. I wouldn't say he deliberately doesn't submit accounts and confirmation statements and money due to HMRC, although there's been a winding up order from HMRC, which is now being dealt with. Um, but he, he does like to, to play the game. And part of me thinks, okay, if you want to play the game in relation to institutions, so, you know, companies house, fine, you know, no, nobody gives a hoot apart from me. Um, you know, H- HMRC, um, you know, there, 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 there are worse uh, tax scams taking place than paying your VAT a few months later. Yeah, you, you deserve a, you know, a kick in the gonads about it, but but that's as far as it can go. When it comes to staff, I, I think that's a red line, which which I find pretty reprehensible, because you know, these are people who have who've got standing orders and direct debits that are going out to you know, to the landlord, to the mortgage company, to to uh, your utility bills and so on, and you know either they end up not getting paid, so so the bank will charge you you know twenty five pound a pop for, for every for every direct debit which doesn't get paid, um, or you you end up having to beg, steal, or borrow um, to to cover the bills on that date, which which I just find uh, d- depressing. And uh, again, I, I think you know, South End and its owner have have reached a point where. The sooner that they they move on to to separate ventures, the better. Yeah, I always pay my VAT on time, uh, except there's a six weeks difference between what I think is on time and what HMRC <laughs> think is on time. It, 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 and Chelmsford as well, Kieran. There's a new piece for the Kieran Maguire historical jigsaw for our listeners to slip <laughs> in. It, it, you you do start to worry. Because as you say, we're talking about Southend United every week mm. now. 
Um, with, there's a pattern emerging here that we've seen with other clubs, you know, Wigan, Oldham, where suddenly you don't mention the club and then you mention the club twice in a month mm. and then suddenly it is every week and it's the same issue and you just hope for the sake of, the, as you say, those South End fans that it gets resolved and you, but you can't see it being resolved without Ron Martin leaving the scene. And, and the thing is, as we said the last time we spoke about the, the brilliant effort of the fans to raise £40,000 to pay one month's wages, they can't do that every month. It, it, it would have been difficult enough for them to do it for one month. You can't expect that, that the fans to bail the club out every month, much as they would love to do so, but it's, they shouldn't have to do so. And it, you know, it's incredible that it, the club is still allowed to keep doing that. Oscar Wilde once said, Kieran, that to <laughs> be sued by one former manager is unfortunate. <laughs> to be sued by five begins to look like carelessness. And that's what's happening to one of our other <laughs> oft, often mentioned clubs. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing a, a full zigzag uh, geographical tour of, of the UK today. And, and we're now at Watford. We're now at Vicarage Road. Um, so, so this... This is a story that I picked up from an organization called Law 360. And, and I Googled this. I couldn't find this anywhere else. So I spoke to some of uh, of, of the Price of Football's uh, lawyer friends. who Gr- uh, go, Grasses. Yeah. <laughs> grasses, yes. I said, okay, uh, give, give, you know, should we run this story or not? Yeah, Law 360, are they, are they, they legit? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they are. Oh, pretty good yeah they, they double check their story so so this does appear to be um an issue um so I, I have i have done a little bit of of ferreting and i think law law 360 got this slightly wrong in that it's it's a former manager and uh, i think four or five of the managers um muckers uh, i think is the, oh, okay. the technical phrase you, you know when a manager arrives that they norm, normally brings a uh you know a, a coach a goalkeeping coach a, you know, yeah. uh, a, a cheese taster, or and, and yeah, you know, whatever, whatever these people are, so an entourage. Um, but um, you, you know, and, and yeah, it, it would be great to say, well, we should be able to identify who the manager is. But then we thought, oh no, it can't be. It's not, it, we're talking about Watford here, so you know, na- narrowing down, um, yeah, na- narrowing down uh, who who this could be is is not not that easy. Um, but but my understanding is that uh, the, the the former manager and the entourage are are suing for breach of contract, um, and under I think most standard uh, football manager contracts, it says if you are sacked, then we will pay you up until you find another job. Um, now, can you see there's a bit of a conflict of interest here because? The manager doesn't necessarily have a huge incentive to try to find himself another job. If he said, "Well, if I've got you know, two two and a half years remaining on the contract, and I'm picking up a decent wedge," because you know, this manager, I suspect, would have been in charge when they were in the Premier League, um, then then why not? I, I just go and sit sit on my ass all day and uh, you know collect, collect that paycheck. So um, you know, if Watford feel that this manager has has not been trying to find another job. 
um, and they can evidence that. They might say, well, we're not prepared to give you your payout. And, and now we've got some sort of you know, Mexican standoff where the, the manager is saying, well, yeah, I, I've been trying. You know, I, I, I applied for the Barcelona and the Manchester United job. And uh, funnily enough, they, they, they didn't seem particularly interested in former Watford owners, um, sort of former Watford managers. Uh, and, and that's where we are. So it's... It, it, it's not good. You know, nobody wants to be dragged through the courts, and uh, we we only know that there's going to be one winner in all of this, and it's not going to be Watford, and it's not going to be the former manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that word mucker. My my dad uh, referred to me as his little mucker. Oh. Uh, right to yeah, it's a lovely uh, lovely word. Um, uh, our whistle stop tour of the country continues, Kieran. We're probably the shortest leg from Watford down to Arsenal. Their latest results are out. Uh, and there's one particularly interesting uh, number in there, isn't there? Yes. Um, Arsenal have have been uh, has been spending money on players, which, uh, which fans are always keen to see. Um, but it's not necessarily their money that they've been spending because what we've seen is that Watford have got sorry Arsenal have gone down the uh, let's uh, let's do it on credit route, so they've ended up owing a hundred and eighty eight million pounds in outstanding instalments uh, in wow. in respect of of player transfers, and you know Arsenal used to be known uh, as as the Bank of England club, so you know, I, I, I've always. Thought well, you know that, that, that they'll be fine for it, and, and, and Arsenal will be fine for it. You know they are they are run on as, as a pretty uh, pretty well run club, and until probably about two or three years ago, they were the most profitable club in the history of the Premier League. But that is no longer the case. You know they they're, they're losing sort of on a day to day basis a million pounds a week in twenty one twenty two. Clearly. They've also not been in in the Premier League uh, for a while, but I think the thing which um, surprised me most of all was in, in respect of wages. And we, yeah, we always talk about footballers' wages, and and they seem to they seem to be gravity defying. Uh, you know, no matter what's happening in the external world, you know, it doesn't matter whether you got COVID or or this, that, and the other. Footballers' wages still. Go up and up and up, and, and if we take a look at twenty twenty one, that that was the case. Yeah, we had COVID, and yet footballers' wages overall in the Premier League still still increased by I think around about seven percent that season, which is which is uh, it, 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 which is great news if you're a footballer. Um, but um, Arsenal's wages are are coming down. Yeah, we, we know that Abamyang uh, yeah, left, although he had to have a bit of a payoff. Uh, I think they got some other players off the payroll in, in the last few years, the likes of Ozil and so on, um, and. Yeah, you know, I've always defended footballers' wages. I say say it's a talent industry. You work in the, in the world of entertainment; it's a talent industry, and you know that the stars get the big bucks. And you know, I've 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 never walked out of a cinema or or walked out of a concert. You know, I will I will not be walking out of of the the O2 Arena next Monday, having watched the Cure, thinking to myself, I'm, I'm never going to watch them again. Robert Smith's paid too much. Um, because yeah, they they get they get what the market plays, and the issue we now have with Arsenal is that Arsenal's wage bill is one hundred and fifty million pounds less than that of Manchester United, um, and 
this isn't a criticism of your club and my club, but I would have always thought that Arsenal's wage bill would have been closer to that of Manchester United than it is to the wage bill of Palace or Brighton. But Arsenal's wage bill yeah. is now closer to our wage bill than it is of you know, one of the clubs that you would usually think is part of their peer group. And, and I think it, that does indicate that uh, things aren't uh, as uh, as rosy at Arsenal. You know that they, they have had to to cut back. Um, you know they're, they're still on still on good wages. You know they're still still averaging more than a hundred grand a week. Uh, but Manchester United are averaging 174 grand a week. And you know, that, that means that potentially when a player's got the choice of either of those two clubs, money money comes into it. Yeah, historically, quite a few teams refer to themselves or refer to as the Bank of England club. This makes me think that back in the day, the Bank of England were quite flighty <laughs> with their affections. <laughs> we still have, Kieran, four news stories to go. The first of them just looking at our social media feed in the last couple of days, I know is of great interest to many of our listeners. And I think they probably would have hoped that this would be their first story because for the National League supporters as a whole, this is a big, big story about their new streaming platform, isn't it? Yes. Um, I think this will come on the back of uh, yeah, Reynolds and McElhenney and, and Wrexham, um, who created a a much broader level of interest in, in Wrexham um, than, than the club had historically. Um, and they said, you know, why, why can't people overseas watch Wrexham play football? Um, you know, we, we've, we've got now the, on, on the back of the, the documentary series, we've, we've got a lot of interest. Um, so the, uh, the, the National League, um, who uh, have, have come in for, a fair amount of criticism, and if people do listen to the the interview with with Mark White uh, that we're doing as a separate podcast, uh, I think it's fair to say that he is is not their biggest fan, um, and I'm not their biggest fan. Um, and I'd also recommend that uh, if if you get a chance, uh, go to YouTube and and watch Gate Money, the the documentary film. Uh, Mark's in it. I'm in it. Uh, ben Clasper, who's uh, uh, from. Uh, uh, from Dulwich, uh, he he's in it as well. You know, there, there's lots of lots of people who who do have an affection for the national league, whose knowledge about it is far greater than certainly than than ours. Um, and uh, it's it, it's a bit like FIFA Uncovered, but at national league level. And it, but it's just as important yeah. as to expose um, an organisation which which doesn't like uh, doesn't like like people. Lifting up the carpet um, and, and and trying to take a look at as to what's underneath. Um, so we we now have in the national league a a streaming system which has perhaps some benefits. It has some benefits in that you you can now pay to stream matches, um, but that you know so therefore it will increase the size of the cake and I always say that when it comes to distribution that there's two elements is a has the cake got bigger and b how are we going to cut the cake now you know in terms of the money cake I think it is going to increase in size uh, if if streaming uh, does prove to be successful although you could argue that if more people stream does that mean that fewer people are going to attend matches I'm 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 a, the jury's out from me um I know Andy Holt has got very strong views on this, um, but yeah. I'm I'm probably a little bit more sort of you know, centre ground in relation to this, um, because yeah, you know, I always take the view, and I suspect you will as well, that 
if, if I can get to a match, I will go because the live experience is exactly the same as, as Glastonbury. You know, given a choice between watching it on the iPlayer in the comfort of my lounge or being, you know, going to Glastonbury, wallowing through mud and, and coming back to your coming back to your tent to find that a hippie has used it as a toilet, you know, I, I still go for the live experience because it's that live experiences which gives you the memories and, and gives you the 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 you know the once in a lifetime moments. Um but uh, in terms of how it is being split, this is how it goes. The the National League will keep fifteen percent themselves for reinvestment in streaming and marketing, um, and, and and that's that's fine. Okay, I don't have an issue with that. Um, and then sixty percent goes to the the club that the viewer supports. And 25% is split between all 72 National League clubs. And you know, the, the downside of this, and let's look at this through the, through the eyes of Mark White, is that if, if Dorking are playing Wrexham or Notts County or you know, one, one of the clubs which, which will bring a, a big fan base, um, if, if a Wrexham fan uh, decides, I'm going to stream the match, um, at taking place at Dorking, so Dorking have gone through all of the you know all all of the preparation as you do when you're hosting hosting another team. Um, if it's Dorking versus Wrexham, sixty percent of the money goes to Wrexham because the fan says, "Well, I'm a Wrexham fan." Twenty five percent is split between all seventy two clubs, and Dorking get precisely zero. Now, to me, yeah. that that doesn't look like a great deal. Um, and you, you know, I I would personally split. Yeah, you know, I would say that that sixty percent. If if you split that evenly between the home and the away team, if you put yourself down as a Wrexham fan, that then fine. But to to give the hosting club no money, I think is is harsh. And what it will result in is the gap between rich and poor becomes bigger and bigger. Um, and I, I can assure you, you know, there will be big clubs, and I think we know who we're talking about here, in the Premier League who are looking at that model and saying, I want some of that. And they were saying, well, yeah, it's, it's worked in the National League. Uh, it's 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 sort of working in a similar way uh, in, in the EFL in terms of streaming. Therefore, we want something similar in the Premier League as well. And and streaming is going to happen. Yeah, we, you, we, we're not King Canutes. We're, we're, not, we're not Luddites uh, in terms of the adoption of technology. But... Having a competitive National League, individual EFL divisions, and Premier League, and yeah, the Premier League's not particularly competitive because you know who the four Champions League clubs are, are likely to be. Uh, you, know, you know, Newcastle are, are now a disruptor of that, um, but uh, it, it is a cause for concern. And I know I've mentioned it once, but again, this is an area whereby having some form of scrutiny or investment by an independent regulator who can look at it from a much broader holistic perspective than necessarily what's best for individual clubs because every club will act in its own best interests self-interest is is i've got no issue with that whatsoever but if, if we want to have football as part of the fabric of society in the way that we do today we may need somebody to say 
we're going to do what's best for football rather than what's best for Manchester United or Wrexham or Sunderland or whoever the club happens to be. Uh, you can speak for yourself when it comes to being a Luddite, Kieran. As far as I'm concerned, we've got enough technology now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'd like a season ticket I could put in my wallet, if you don't mind. The fact I have to use two laptops to do this podcast is still something that Ali needs to calm me down about on a pretty much daily basis. The, the thing, I mean, using Dorking as an example with Wrexham you know, hosting them, yeah, Wrexham fans will turn up in their numbers, we yeah. know that. But for every Wrexham fan who doesn't, then Dorking are losing out probably £10, £20 on, on catering within the ground. So not only are they not getting paid for Wrexham fans to watch it, they're losing out on that income as well. And now we've reached a situation where, so basically three o'clock games on a Saturday can now be streamed, can't they? I think, I think that is the case, although um, if the match classic clashes with a match which is being broadcast, the matches which are being broadcast on BT Sport, I think still will only go out on BT Sport. And, that, yeah. and that's right and proper. Yeah, if you're a broadcaster, you've, yeah. you've paid for that privilege and, and you want to maximise uh, your, your numbers as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, uh, the, the 3pm games, are, I think it's going to be introduced slowly. Um, and certainly, it's it's uh, it's something which is being discussed at uh, EFL level as well. Now, it might need uh, FA approval because the whole the whole rationale behind the three pm blackout is that we want to protect lower league football. And you know, if it's if it's Manchester United playing Manchester City at three pm on a Saturday, and you can stream it, it makes it that much more difficult to persuade. Yeah either yourself or yourself and your kids, whoever you might be going to a match with, to, you know, it's a, it, it's a freezing cold Saturday in in December. You know, come on, kids, it's Dorking today. We're playing Southend and it's, you know, it's a big match. Play to Derby. I go, well, yeah, maybe we'll go and watch Manchester United. Um, so um, I, I think care has to be taken in, in how it's done. Basically, I mean, this is, I know we mentioned Andy Holt a lot, but he's been completely vindicated here because he predicted, I mean, it's, it's one thing for Wrexham to say, well, we've got loads of fans abroad, fair enough. Uh, why can't they watch the game, let them stream it? Because that's how streaming started initially, wasn't it? So yeah. uh, it was for overseas fans to be able to watch the game. That's fair enough. But Andy Holt predicted that that would, was the thinnest end of the wedge. He predicted that once that had started, what happens next is then you go, well, how about the games when there's no... There's an international break. There's no Premier League, so that, then that happened. And as he predicted, we're now looking at the three o'clock kickoffs being streamed, and the clubs hosting the game get no money out of it. It makes no sense. And you say the National League are very reticent to talk, and I know it's arrogant of us to say this. We're only a podcast, but if anybody from the National League is listening and wants to come on and chat, we're on your side as much as we're on the fan side as well. And um, but we're not because we're only getting the fan side of the argument, yeah. which is why neither of us think that the National League have behaved particularly well in this. But we're very open to be told by the National League that they have. Um, yeah, and we, we're nice people. We, we'll make you a technical... Well, I won't make you a virtual cup of tea because I can't do the technology. <laughs> uh, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kieran, seems to be on a one-man mission to annoy as many people as he can, basically, at his current club and in his country... Um, no doubt he was delighted not to start the game yesterday to see his, t- his team country score five goals. Um, but he's also, he's, well, he's annoying Juventus fans now as well, isn't he? Yes. Um, it, this is a really strange thing. For somebody that, that wants to, to, to go down as having a legacy in football, he 
just seems committed to really <laughs> pissing off as many of of the people as possible. So yeah, yeah, we, we know that he's he's part soap opera and and part footballer, and he's a magnificent athlete and completely devoted to his professional craft. And 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 that part of me absolutely admires his his achievements. But um, yeah, clearly the the departure from from Manchester United was um, engineered, to put it mildly. Um, and you know he's he's playing the victim card left, right, and centre. And, and and you know I, I said you know we, we've also got to remember that this is a father who has lost a child, and and that needs taking. Yeah. But there there were clearly other things taking place as well. Um, as far as Portugal is concerned, uh, you know if if you get substituted. With a few minutes to go, and your side's doing okay. I didn't really see an issue there. Um, and yesterday, magnificent, magnificent performance by by Portugal. Um, but he has to go and steal it by yeah. by by, yeah. by by behaving like a child. Um, now, this this is something which I, I do feel probably a, a, a bit more sympathy for because it relates to Juventus. Now, you know, Juventus are very much on my naughty step for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, and we know that the board of Juventus have uh, have resigned en masse. It now looks like there are murkier and murkier issues in relation to the, the governance and, and the financial performance of the club. Um, but uh, what had happened was that uh, in order to, to ease cash flow issues uh, during COVID, players did agree to a, a pay deferral. And uh, yeah, pay deferral means... You get paid later. Uh, it looks yeah. like Cristiano Ronaldo. You know he's he's been at Manchester United for eighteen months. Um, is, is still awaiting. Uh, I think it's nineteen point nine million euro in unpaid wages. And funnily enough, uh, he and his advisors have said, "Well, yeah, we've been pretty patient, but we're not prepared to take this any further." Oh, sorry, we're not prepared to wait any further. Um, so he's. Uh, I think he's taking steps, or his advisors are taking steps. Uh, Juventus is 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 very much a mess at present. Um, you know the, the the board are coming out with with uh, with statements uh, saying uh, we've done nothing wrong. Our accounting is in is in a line with uh, standard accounting practices. And I'm going well, but but not paying wages is is nothing, uh, and and denying it uh, is is not it's nothing to do with standard accounting practices. So you know, they're involved with with sleight of hand. Um, there, so I've, I've actually got a lot of sympathy for Cristiano Ronaldo, but yeah, twenty million euros. Uh, it's yeah for him. For him, it's a good night out. Clearly, um, yeah. you know he, he's he's independently wealthy. He's, he he will not be in a similar position to to the staff at South End who are, who are worrying about you know how am I going to pay pay the bills because we've got so much uncertainty about being paid. But um, it it just shows that it happens at uh, at clubs from from the national league level. Right up to the old lady herself. Is this simply a case, Kieran, that Juventus haven't got the money to pay, or are they just have they turned it into a kind of moral issue? No, no, they've they've got they can't justify this from a moral perspective because it's contractual. Um, I don't know whether they were just trying to rely on him or his advisors, assuming that they would pay up within a reasonable amount of time and and now it's it's gone beyond that and uh, it's uh, it's pistols at dawn between the two parties yeah I, I don't know if there is such a thing as technology karma Kieran but I regret saying that I was a Luddite because that snap you may have heard while you were talking was the top of my biro breaking off <laughs> which is 
has left me unable to write notes on the rest of the stories. Luckily, we only have two stories left, and they both involve Uniteds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the, the first one, uh, we've just been talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, whose most recent football club was Manchester United. And this is, uh, this is something in to, uh, to do with a potential uh, investment stroke takeover at Manchester United. Now, what we've seen over, you know, I said that the, the price of Manchester United shares increased by around about 70% in, in the first week since the, the Glazers made that somewhat strange announcement to the New York Stock Exchange. Um, what we've seen since then is virtually no movement in the share price and, and, and very few trades as well. Um, Manchester United supporters trust, and there are some many, many good people at the trust. I think they, they do an excellent job. And, and for me, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I lived in Manchester for the, for the vast majority of my life. I, I always separate my mates who I share a, a changing room with uh, for, for Trafford Cricket Club, um, of whom they are what I would refer to as, as proper Reds, compare them to the, the, some of the people that just make noise in relation to the club. But supporters trust, so I, 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 w- I, would, I would put in the former category. Um, so they've, they've written an open letter to potential bidders. And I, I think, you know, certainly have a look at the, the trust website in respect of this. It's, it's very measured. It's very sensible. They're saying that you know, loading Manchester United with debt has has not been successful for Manchester United. It's only been successful for the banks who have been the uh, the beneficiaries of over eight hundred and sixty million pounds of interest on those borrowings. So they they suggest that uh, not taking a leverage buyout approach would be would be far better because football isn't an ordinary business. You know, the, the most important stakeholders in a football club are the fan base. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not trying to be sort of you know, melodramatic when I say that because, you know, without, without clubs having fans, there's, there's no point in having the clubs themselves. Um, so they encouraged the, the new owners to say, you know, we, we need to restore Manchester United. We need to restore Old Trafford. Um, we need to look at how Manchester United is run because at present, Manchester United is a company which is listed in New York, owned in Florida, and registered in the Cayman Islands. That that's not Manchester. So, you know, yeah. we they they want proper governance, they want fan representation. They said, yeah, fan representation doesn't mean fans making decisions, it means taking into consideration the interests of fans just as much as you do for the the other people who've got connections with the club um and, and then it's sort of things which yeah people might say well does this really matter uh but it does matter um and it was just just was i thought a, a very fair uh piece of wording which clearly you know there's, there's people like andy mitten and others who who have long-term connections with with manchester united who who know who know the real score and who can articulate that. And, and when you do read things like this, it's a further reminder to owners that we're football fans. Yes, we're passionate. Being passionate doesn't mean that we're stupid. And, and I think so often we are treated as, as just because football historically is a working class sport. Therefore, by being working class, you must be thick. And being a football fan, you must be thick, and we're going to treat you with with contempt. Um, Manchester United Sports Trust does a great job. Yeah, I also think 
football clubs need to remember the, the word club yeah. in, in there and, and, and what it means. And I think one club that has done that is, uh, as we say, another United, Rotherham United, have done a very good thing here. Yes, and, and you know they're not alone in this, but I, I think uh, yeah, yeah, this came out um, <clears throat> uh, again in the last few days. Um, you know, we, we've spoken earlier about uh, staff at at, uh, at uh, clubs being unable to pay their bills due to not being paid. Well, there are other people who simply can't afford to pay the bills, and you, yeah. you know, we, we've seen regular stories about you know people, parents especially, families having to make heat or eat decisions. There, I'm also fully aware that if you're an elderly person and you're living in a place during the winter, you, your your fuel bills have just gone through the roof. So yeah. if, if, you, if, we, if you can't afford to, to heat your house during the day, is there somewhere where you can go to keep warm? Step forward, Rotherham United. What they've said is they're going to open up the New York Stadium and we're just going to provide you with yeah, simple things, yeah, cups of tea, somewhere warm where yeah. you can come and sit. You can, you can watch the telly and it will give you a few hours respite during the day. And fair play to the club because they've acted as a club, they've acted as a community hub. They're doing all of the things which I think should be part of, of the core of the game in this country because it is more than a sport. You know, we, we wouldn't travel the length and breadth of the country to, to watch matches if it was just a sport. It's far more than that. The Rotherham United uh, management team, yeah, it, it will cost them a, a wee bit more, but yeah, what they'll get back in goodwill. Um, because, you know, hopefully when these people's personal circumstances improve, they'll say, when I was when I was at my lowest, I was able to go to the New York Stadium. I was able to, to have a blanket around me. Also, to have a chat with people. You know, lo- yeah. loneliness yeah. is a killer this Christmas, um, especially for elderly people. So, uh, well done, Rotherham. That's all I can say. And they're not alone. Yeah. I, do you know, I'm, I'm fed up, Kieran. We keep saying, you know, fifth largest economy in the world. This shouldn't be happening. But... It shouldn't be happening anywhere in the world. No one. Yeah. It's 2022 here. The world is awash with money. No one anywhere should be worried about having enough to eat or being able to be warm during cold times and cool during hot times. It's not It's not right. and It needs to change. And I'm proud to say, though, that Palace are one of the other clubs that do it. Palace are opening a, what they're calling a warm hub. Um, based purely on the logic, as Steve Parrish said, that the, the ground's open anyway. Mm. We're paying electricity bills. It's only right that we invite local people in the community who are struggling to come in and do the same thing. You know, read the paper, have a warm, have a cup of tea, a cup of soup. We'll provide a meal. And and it's, it's, it's what we've been talking about right from the start. With clubs are at the heart of the community. Also, if you're anywhere near Sellers Park, they've just opened um, a, a donation centre um, to provide food and other stuff for four food banks in South London, which is an area most people don't know of particular deprivation around the ground. So if you do want to go down, it's very openly, it's a big collection centre. So, so if you do want to donate stuff, that would be very kind of you. And also I have to point out, Kieran, uh, some young people uh, from the Palace Academy uh, and some young people from foundation player development courses uh, these are 14 to 18-year-olds. Uh, asked the club if they could borrow the academy on a Sunday. It's the only day it's not used. Uh, they organised a tournament. They did this in the space of three weeks, and they organised a football tournament, and they raised about 7,000 quid towards the Pakistan flood 
donations. And so it's it's brilliant. We talk enough about the greed mm. of footballers on this show, Kieran. It's only right that we highlight the good things that people in football are doing. And we'd only be too pleased to hear what your club uh, are doing as well, because I think we need to share these stories. You know, we spoke about the Christmas Carol earlier on. It does have, you know, it's one of my favourite stories. Uh, and that's for a reason. Um, anyway, that's enough Tiny Tim stuff. Because <laughs> those listeners that we lost with the sound effects have probably gone off bar humbugging somewhere else. Uh, the interview with Mark White will be available shortly after this. Drops, I believe, is the phrase. Get you. Get you. You, see, you technological people use it's. I would say available, but apparently Guy says we have to say it drops. <laughs> um, so I hope you enjoy listening to that. Just a reminder that our next live show, which was due to take place at Plymouth Argyle's Home Park next week on the 13th of December, will now take place on the 21st of March next year. We hope you can join us on that new date. Yeah, but if you can't and you have a ticket, the club has confirmed that, of course, you'll be able to get a full refund. Thank you to everyone who's donated to this pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution, then please go to patreon.com slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at price of In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, thanks as always, folks, for the support. And we are, we will get to Plymouth. We, we do apologise that it's, it's taken a little bit longer. Um, we, 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 we're quite keen, I think, to, to do a few other tour shows, um, except we're, we're not, we, 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 if there's any promoters out there who, who run a, a, an organization where, where they'd like us to, to come up, we'll get, get in contact because we're not, we're not used to, uh, doing the booking side of things. And I think there's a case for saying it might be better in a, in, in more of a theatrical establishment than necessarily a, a, you know, a football club itself because, uh, you know, sometimes they're a bit echoey and they don't necessarily work, uh, as, 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 uh, as entertainment venues. But, um, th- there's various ways. In which you you can support uh, the podcast and and Patreon is one. Thank you very much, Patreon supporters. Uh, the other way of doing that is is to go into your podcast app is 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 to get Apple's and Spotify's algorithms all worked up with with positive vibes about the price of football podcast. And the way that you do that is is you give us a review um, and, and give us five stars if you think we're worth it. Yeah, not if you don't. Um, if you want to scribble a few words, uh, we're always happy to read them. And, and, and yeah, we've got some very, very amusing listeners. Um, it doesn't matter what you say. You could even say you would rather have the show presented by Maxi Lopez, because he's he's busy not buying Birmingham City at present, and Jennifer Lopez. And yeah, she could provide <laughs> some sound effects. And that would be fine with us. football. <laughs> I'm for the